place, and I want you guys to declare it over your life, that freedom reigns in this place. Freedom reigns within you. Freedom is not just in this building, but freedom is in your soul. Freedom is in your life. Declare those freedoms in your life and over your life. And if you feel like you've grown complacent or stuck in that place, then you need to declare that there is freedom in this place. There is freedom in me, and I will not be held down. I have given it to Jesus, and he has made me free. that you would captivate every heart in this place today and that you would be glorified through us and in us. God, for your glory and your glory alone. And everybody said amen and amen. Hallelujah. Sunday of the month, and so we are going to be passing out communion today, and um, I just want everybody to get their, their hearts prepared, and we just want to thank you guys all for making this your church home today. I'm Pastor Jerry. I'm one of the campus pastors here, and I just want to take this moment to just preach the gospel to you and explain a little bit why we take communion and this is just a holy covenant that God gave us. We don't take it just because we have to, but because we want to remember what Jesus did for us on that cross. And so there was this blood that was poured out and a body that was broken to do what we could not do. And I just want you guys to take a moment to just reflect on who you used to be, not to dwell in the past, but just to remember that Christ gave you that freedom that you get to live in today. And if you're not living in that freedom, we will have a couple prayer workers up here during our prayer time after um, our confession of faith and in our fellowship time, and they will pray with you and you can get your hearts right before the Lord. And I wanna go to this, this verse in Acts. It says, salvation is found in no one else, 
For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. There is no other name but Jesus in which we can be saved. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And that is, it seems like there's the, just this air of freedom in this place that has just been, it's been cruising through this place all morning. And God just, he wants to give freedom because that's who he is. He is the freedom bringer. He is the freedom giver. He breaks off every chain. But the only way that he could do that is if he came in, the, in a human suit to bear what we have to bear, to know what we experience so that we can always go to someone who understands us so that he could say I did this for you and I died for you so live for me and let me live in you so you can have a full and free life salvation cannot be taught by a guru it cannot be given by Buddha or Allah or Muhammad it's just they, they didn't die for you. And I want to serve a living Savior because he died and he rose again. He's not still in the grave. On the third day, he resurrected to give you salvation. Amen. And so I want us to just take this, but we're going to partake in the elements together. And I just want to pray over this. And if you are not right with God, if you have not repented of your sin, then I would warn you to just take a step back. You do not have to partake in the elements. Don't let your heart be wrong before God because he takes this seriously. We do it because we love him. So Lord, we just want to take this time, God, and I just want to thank you for your, your body that was broken for us the whippings that you took, the punishment you endured to give us life. And we just thank you, God, for what you've done for us. And in Jesus' name, amen. And we take this. And Lord, we just, we want to take this cup as a remembrance of your blood that poured out and the blood that washes over us and makes us white as snow. Thank you for doing what we could not so we can go and be where you are. In Jesus' name, amen. And you can take the cup.
God, you are God Almighty. You are holy, holy, and worthy to be praised. Give him a hand clap, a shout of praise, because this is his church, and he's done it for us. In Jesus' name, God, we love you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Feels good to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. Amen. So we are going to recite our confession of faith on the count of three. One, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Father who so loved the world, the Son who purchased my salvation in his death, burial, and resurrection, and the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward for believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in Jesus Christ built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in salvation for all mankind is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen. Greet your neighbors. Say hi to someone new.
welcome, 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 everyone. Welcome, welcome, everyone. I'm in stereo. Uh, welcome, you guys, to Metro Praise International, where we are loving God, loving people. Again, I'm Pastor Jerry. Um, we just want to welcome you to our second service today. It's an awesome time to be here. We are just rocking and rolling for Jesus, and thanks for making this your place over Labor Day weekend. Um, I just want to let you guys know that there is also a 10 a.m. service here at the church. Um, and you guys are always welcome to wake up early and join us at 10 a.m. if you ever have need. But we love seeing your faces here at 1 p.m. And then uh, we just want to let you guys know, oh, yeah, we also have Elevate. Let me do that again. We have Elevate Fridays at 7 o'clock. If you are 11 to 18 years old or you know someone 11 to 18 years old, you guys need to be there. It is so amazing. These guys are rocking and rolling for Jesus. We got our youth out there. They are just blowing it up for the Lord, going out to the high schools. So that brings me to what's going on this month. E-Sunday. This is our youth service for a Sunday morning. This is going to be so cool. It's September 24th. I want you guys to pray with us that all these students that have been coming on a Friday night would bring their parents. That's what we want to see because we know that if the parents are serving Jesus, the kids will continue to serve Jesus. So that's September 24th. Um, Pastor Steve is going to be bringing the word that day. So that's also going to be at 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. on that day. So we are so excited about that. Then I want to get you guys connected to our vision, our strategy, and our goal. So. Our vision is to have 100,000 disciples in the city of Chicago with 50 churches and 500 around the world. And how do we do this? Well, we connect people. We connect you through life groups. We mentor you with our 101 and our 201. 101 being one-on-one -on -one mentorship with, with a deacon or elder in this church. And then we want to send you out to do evangelism to change the world for Jesus. And so we just want to give you a snapshot of what's going to be happening this week. So if you guys flip over the back side of that little form that they pass out to you, today is Singles Life Group. <laughs> if you are single, you should be making some noise. I want to hear the singles. All the single ladies? No, just kidding. Um, so 18 to 35 years old, 4 p.m., you guys are meeting here at the church. Call all your single friends. Have them come to the church. Get them to connected. Tuesday, we have the Resistance. Elevate Life Group, 11 to 18 years old. That's going to be meeting here at the church. Wednesday, King's Kids, 0 to 11 years old. If you guys need a date night, drop your kids off. They meet here at 6.30 on Wednesdays. Yeah. And then uh, Thursday, we have the Gang Outreach. They're meeting here at the church, 18 years and up. Friday, we have two adult Bible studies, one at the Govez and one at the Vivid's House. So you guys can meet um, up at those addresses shown on the screen. If you have any questions, um, you can come and ask me after service. So, And then we want to mentor you. Everybody say mentor. Yes, we want to mentor you with the 101 and the 201. The 101, like I said before, is one-on-one -on -one discipleship. We want to walk with you while you walk with Jesus. And then we want to send you to 201. Do we have 201ers in here? That's what's up. So 201, we're going to teach you how to be a leader because we believe all Christians should be leaders. Amen. And then we want to send you out. Everybody say send. You got to say it in that accent. Send. 
<laughs> We're going to send you out to do evangelism every Saturday from 5 to 8 p.m., but we also do evangelism all throughout the week so you guys can always find a place to go and share your faith, learn, build it up, and, and that's just being on the streets, doing what Jesus did. Amen? So again, we want to connect you to Life Group, mentor you with 101, 201, and send you out to change the world. And we have a vision, and our goal is 100,000 disciples in Chicago, 50 churches around the world, and 50 churches in Chicago and 500 around the world. If you believe we can do it, say amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So then what we want to do is we want to talk to you guys about tithes and offerings. Tithes is a 10% of your total income given regularly to the church. And then we also believe an offering is anything above and beyond the tithe. And we have two places in this church to give into our missions fund and our building fund. And so we, these two areas can be designated on that little envelope. Just check off what you want to put in each spot in missions or building. And then I want to take you guys through our giving book. And so we're going to go to, it's chapter 8, and it's stewards are to be faithful. Amen. Everybody say, stewards are to be faithful. Amen. Because if you are faithful, you will be fruitful. Definition, stewardship is the wise management of everything God has entrusted us with. So in our scripture, Matthew 25, verses 23, his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Who wants to make their master happy? Amen. So we just need to be faithful with those little things. It says God will judge us on our faithfulness. Jesus taught his disciples to be ready to face God on judgment day and give an account of their lives. The most important aspect of judgment will be in regards to the disciples' faithfulness to do all that God commanded him or her to do. We want to be faithful. Do what God says to do. Life goes a lot better when you do things God's way and not your own way. Amen? Two, we are to be faithful in little. Even Donald Trump, in comparison to God's riches, has little. Therefore, we are to, to always be faithful with everything we have been given by God, whether it be in our talents, finances, family, ministry, or career. Got to be faithful with those things. It goes beyond the financial, but we want to be financially obedient as well. Three, faithful disciples will be rewarded. Jesus promised to reward his faithful disciples with the true riches of his kingdom. Therefore, don't let the temporary pleasures of this world tempt you to be faithless. For example, some may think withholding their tithes benefits them now, but in the long run, they lose the true blessings of God. Summary, be faithful with little, and God will give you much. Amen. And so in application, you want to be faithful in giving your tithes, 10% of your total income, and offerings, which is anything you give after the tithe. Always remain humble and see yourself as God's servant. Three, be faithful to everything God commands you to do. And then we want to confess this together on the count of three. One, two, three. God has called us to be managers that are committed to stewarding whatever gifts we have received from him. We are to be wise, fruitful, faithworthy, trustworthy, multiplying, and shrewd stewards, living debt-free and generous lives, providing an inheritance for our children and grandchildren. Amen. If you guys want to stand up with me 
And then we just want to talk to you guys because we have been doing this soul-winning summer. This is awesome. Give you guys, give yourselves a hand. Oh. <laughs> yes, good job. Give yourself some attaboys and a pat on the back. You guys did awesome. This summer, we have been having this this building goal of $8,000. We raised $1,701 in August. You guys are awesome. We've just got this little bit left, which is $839. We can knock that out together this month. We are so excited. We've got Youth Sunday, like I said before, coming up. And then October 30th, it's going to be an illustrated sermon. And uh, that is just going to be something that uh, I don't think we've done in this church in a long time. And so it's going to be so exciting. It's going to be over the ho the Halloween holiday. So we want to get all those outside to come inside for something really special. Amen. And then there's four ways to give. You can give in the buckets that will be up here um, during the offering time. Two in the wall-mounted drop boxes in the back. In the back with a credit card, you can see me after service. Or online with Chase QuickPay, PayPal, and BillPay at mpichurch.org slash giving. Amen. And we're going to recite this together. Philippians 4.19. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Father God, for what you are doing in this place. I pray that you would bless the, the seed and the giver, Lord God, and that you would just flourish and nourish the ground that it is being planted in. God, make us be a fruitful church that will always go out and do what you've told us to do and that we would be faithful in our lives with the little, God, and that we would see much come to fruition in our lives and in the people's lives around us, that you would call us and, and send us to be those harvesters in the harvest fields because the days are few, Lord. And so we just bless you, God, and we thank you for your provision. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Come rejoice as you give. Hallelujah. Amen. How many ready to put in some work for the Lord? Somebody say, work it. Woo! Y'all ready? <laughs> ready to work this? We know somebody loves Jesus on Labor Day weekend. Amen. Y'all love Jesus even all the way in the back, the back, the back. Guys, I am enjoying this Labor Day weekend because my wife went into labor just before this weekend. She put in her work. I did my work and she had to do her work. I know that's not right because, like, for nine months she did her work. She is the bestie best. How many want to see some of the pictures? So Joy Lorraine Wyrostic was born to us October, uh, August 31st, 
2.45 p.m., about 8 pounds, 21 inches. And you guys ready for the next one? It's my favorite. I need a big ooh and ah on this one. You ready? Uh, <laughs> I love this. This is why I keep making them. I mean, come on. How can we not keep making babies that are this cute? You know, the way I look at it is this. Because, you know, you watch the my wife go through the, the process, you know, First, it's real exciting. We're pregnant, we're pregnant, and then her body starts to change. And then that last month, ladies who have had children, mothers, you know, really just uncomfortable, hot. She'd never been through a summer, you know, pregnancy before. All of our babies were born in the winter and spring. And so, you know, you just watch her go through that. And then that labor, those last moments, just ah, screaming and everything. But listen to me. When I see this baby, I say to myself, could I live without this baby? And I say, no. I can't. And so for me, I need the Lord to tell me when to stop being fruitful and multiplying. Some people, they get told another way. And I don't want to say who, but you know, <laughs> maybe, maybe you all decide as a couple you don't want to have any more. That's okay. I'm just waiting for the Lord to tell me it just don't work no more, okay? And so until mama goes to menopause or something else happens, and I don't want to talk about that here, ER or whatever they call that. I don't even want to talk about that. But anyways, the point is we're going to keep making babies. So we are almost halfway to a dozen, almost halfway to a dozen. Our goal is to get to about a dozen. That's what we want to get to. But the Lord will tell us when it just don't work anymore. Can I get an amen? So until then, I'm going to work it. So it's Labor Day weekend, and you all doing work for the Lord. And this is a little bit of the work that my wife and I did, and it all glory to God. Which one is your guys' favorite? This is A, and then this is B. How many, everybody, okay, how many like A? Okay, we got about four or five hands. How many like B? Yeah, that's my favorite. She's just chilling. All right, so we are in the middle of a sermon series, Spiritual Disciplines. Today we're going to talk about spiritual meditation. And let me just tell you guys, because I know it may be a little tough here on Labor Day, but I want to tell you guys what happened this past week. Last week we had our record for summer. We had 315 people here. Let's give it up for that. Then we started SUM, then Tuesday had Encounter Night, hit a record with 40 at the Encounter Night. Let's give it up for Encounter Night. Then Wednesday, they hit a summer record, I believe, with over 100 because we had school supplies left over from the Sunday. Let's give it up for them, 100. Then the gang ministry just did what they did. And then the youth had an outdoor service and party with 63 teenagers. Give it up for them. Amen. And then Saturday they went out evangelizing. So literally every single day this week was something awesome. Did I tell you Monday was SUM? I did tell you. Okay, because they have started the school year. They're doing great. And so look at this. The Summer Spiritual Discipline Sermon Series is supposed to encourage you to get out and be disciplined. Now, I don't want anybody to pick on your neighbor right now, so don't point fingers at them. But has the summer passed you by? Are you already at a point in the summer and you're like, I wish I would have done more. It's getting cold. It's starting to get down into the 50s at night. I kind of like that, though. How many people like that? I, I still know there's some warmer days coming up this week, so get ready to take advantage of it. But I don't want you to pick on anybody, but this, I know there's probably some of you here that just say, I didn't do everything I wanted to do. Well, here's the thing. You need to take advantage of what you got right now. This sermon series has been meant to encourage you to get up off your holy backside and do great things for God. Spiritual disciplines don't sound fun. Like the word discipline doesn't sound fun. But it has an awesome payoff. 
So let me give you an example. When I was uh, biking on my way to Lauren's house, which was, uh, you know, in Volo, right next to the, uh, you know, the Lopez's here. When I was biking there a couple weeks ago, there were parts of my 30-mile bike ride that didn't feel good. It hurt at certain points. My thighs were on fire. My calves were hurt. You know, your ankle from doing that same motion. But I had to press through. I had to press through. And that meant that I was going to achieve a goal. Now, listen, I can say, man, I rode my bike to Volo. And then you know what, Ish, because he's kind of like, he likes to get at me sometimes because he wants to try to like hate on me. He's a little jelly. Ish said back to me, well, why don't you ride back? Okay. Well, here's the deal. I'm going to aim for 60 before winter comes. So that means I will come see you, ride my bike to your house, relax a little bit, eat a little something, and then ride 30 miles back. How many of you guys think I can do 60 miles in one day? How many believe it? How many want to join me? <laughs> See, there's true faith. Yeah, one or two of you. Now, let me just tell you this story here. Well, you know, I'm going to save Tony's story for later. I'm going to save your story. i got a good story for Tony. So today we're going to talk about spiritual disciplines. But I, I want to show this video to you that came about through, well, you know what? Let me read the scripture. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I'm just having fun today. You all feel relaxed? Okay, great. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. Spiritual disciplines. Last week I talked about a hope in a future. Hopefully you enjoyed that. Now you can share with all your friends because that was really for me a powerful message. And then the week before that with Pastor Ray and just him sharing his heart. I really love that resurrection life a message. Also, as you're turning to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, some things to really partner with us about. Pray for this uh, soul winning event at the end of the month here for September that all these young people's parents will come to the service. I want to believe that their parents are going to come. I want to see Shamal's family. I want to see his uncles and aunts, his mom, his dad. I want to see your family. I want to see all your family, Nathan. I want to see all of your family, Adam. I want to see all of your family. What is your name again, brother? Say it again. Say it like you mean it. Andrew. Let's give it up for Andrew. Love on Andrew. Love on Andrew. Love him. It was my fault I couldn't hear his name three times, but that's okay. I want all of these young people here to bring their parents. I want all of you guys to bring their parents. The next thing, that thing in October we're going to do, it's going to be an illustrated sermon. I'm going to preach a little bit. You all going to act a little bit. You know, some of the people will do that. And it's going to be so much fun. So I want you to be a part of that. But listen to me. Listen to me. By the time we get done with this, you guys are going to have all the spiritual disciplines accomplished, and you should be practicing them so that you can end your year, 2016, crispy and clean. What if you showed up to your January with New Year's resolutions already done? What if you showed up complete to 2017? And then those of you who completed things could say, let's go to a whole nother level. But I think it's some time you guys got to catch up on your 2016's New Year's resolution, enact these spiritual disciplines, pray for us for September, get excited for October. And then you know what I'm going to do between October and January? We're going to go over the seven signs of John. In the Gospel of John, the apostle gives seven signs to help us see the Messiah and who he is. And so if you want to skip ahead, just start reading the book of John and you'll be ready. Are you with me in 1 Corinthians 9? Okay, watch this, and i got a video to share with you. Do you not know that in a race all the runners, what? Run, but only how many gets the prize? One gets the prize. Run in such a way as to get 
the prize. Now watch this video from the Olympics. Some of you guys might have seen it online. Here's this guy. He's running. He gets knocked down. It was an accident. Right there and then, he could have quit. He could have said, man, you know what? They don't like me. I didn't practice hard enough. Maybe I did something wrong. But this guy got back up on his feet and began to run in such a way as to get the prize. In the final lap, he is now pushing with everything he got. He was not going to let that setback hold him back. Every step he takes is out of his past and out of his failure into his future. This man wouldn't let it hold him back. He got knocked down but got up to win because winners win. That can be you. You see, some of you in life right now, you're literally like this person that just got knocked down. You might be here right now and you might say, well, pastor, my marriage just got knocked down. Pastor, I don't have a job. You know, I'm knocked down financially. Things aren't going good in my life. You, you may be here and say, oh, my marriage is knocked down. You may say, my walk with God is knocked down. There may be 101 different things that people are dealing with today that have knocked them down. But this is what the Bible says. You're down but not out. Because a righteous man may fall seven times, but he gets back up. What you need to do is get back up. Say, Jesus, get me back up because greater is he that's in me than he that's in this world. And then set your eyes on the prize. What is your goal? A happy marriage, a happy home. What is your finish line in a sense? What is that thing you want to finish before 2017? Do you want to have family devotions? Maybe you've gotten knocked down from your family devotions. You want to get out of debt. You've been knocked down. You need to get up, run in such a way as to win the prize. How many here are going to win the prize? Can I hear an amen? You see, we need to look at our lives and declare, I will finish my race. Paul was serious about his race. He said, guys, look at these racers. Look at these people. Don't you know they all run in, but only one gets the prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. Somebody say strict training. Thank you. That strict training phrase is where we get the word spiritual disciplines. So that guy, to get back up, he had to be able to run hard. He had to practice. You don't just show up and say, I'm going to do it to win. You're going to have to give it your best beforehand. And so right now, I want to ask you a question. We've been through literally eight of these spiritual disciplines. Do you feel like you're still getting knocked down? Well, the point is you're probably not going into strict training. And sometimes people say, well, that means, Pastor, you're asking me to be a works-based religious person. I'm not saying that. God gives us the grace to be saved and the grace to go into strict training. He gives us the grace to do these things. I know for me, just looking at the physical, when I wanted to start losing weight, I needed the grace of God to help me. Some people find other motivations, but I needed the motivation of God. I needed the Lord to be with me. I need the Lord to be with me in my marriage. I, I know some of you guys are early risers. You know, the sun comes up, cock the and you're right up, you know. That is not me. I need an alarm. I need my wife. And then it got to the point where there's a little bit of bickering between my wife and I. And so what she did is she started sending the kids to wake me up. And those are the nicest alarm clocks ever because it's a little knock at the door. Dad, it's time to wake up. I'm like, oh, come on in here. And I give them a little hug and a kiss. But you see, that is what it takes, though, strict training. Have you made your life about strict training when it comes to God? Or are you just taking it as it comes? Are you just going, well, I'll read my Bible whenever I feel like it. I'll just pray whenever I feel like it. Well, when you look at these runners, he maybe didn't feel like getting back up. He probably didn't feel like practicing all the weeks and the months and the years that he's been practicing. He probably didn't feel like eating the diet that he was on. But he knew if I'm going to compete, or those women athletes, they know if they're going to compete, they need to go into what? 
strict training, and they do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. How many are looking forward to that day when you get a crown? The Bible says he will crown you with the crown of life. And so today you make the decision, do I want that crown? Do you give up on your race? Do you walk off the track? That man could have just got up and walked off the track. Some people believe in a doctrine called once saved, always saved. I don't believe that. I believe you can walk away from your salvation. God is not a divine kidnapper. He's not saying to you, you're in now and you can't go nowhere. He's not that way. He lets you decide what do you want to do. Do you want to keep running? Do you want to be on his team? Do you want to go to heaven? Or do you want to, you know, trade in your crown? Hand in that life that he gave you back for the, the, the puke of this world. The Bible literally says as a dog returns to its vomit, a pig goes back to the, the mire, so a sinner goes back to their sins. Do you want to go back to your sins? I don't. I want to keep my eye on the prize. And the prize is a crown of eternal life. And he'll say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Now watch this. He makes the application. He says, therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. Was that gentleman running aimlessly? When this guy got up to run his race, did he start running aimlessly? Yes or no? When he got back up, did he just run off the track and go, I'm done, I'm going to go home and get a hamburger? What is he doing right there? He's running for a purpose. He is not running aimlessly. He is putting every step in a strategical spot to move him the fastest possible way. This is how you need to look at your spiritual life. I am not going to waste a step. I am not going to take a step out of the plan of God. I am going to put every step into the steps of Jesus. The Bible says he leads us in the paths of righteousness. When you hear that phrase, leads us in the paths of righteousness, what do you think of? Someone leading you, right, down a path. When I was uh, with my kids this weekend, we went out to uh, a little trail that we have by our house. It's uh, Beverly Lake and Trail, and we did the whole trail, which is around the lake. Well, there are parts that are wide, and everybody can walk shoulder to shoulder and have fun. But then there are parts where you have to walk single file. And, of course, my daughter Zoe wanted to always walk right to the edge and almost fall into the water. But we had to keep an eye on her, and she had to follow daddy's steps. Don't run aimlessly. You could be in church and be aimless. You could be in your prayer closet and be aimless and just keep letting your thoughts wander. You can read your Bible aimlessly, just throw it open and go to uh, whatever passage is there. But the Bible says don't run aimlessly, run like this guy. Paul is looking to these Olympic runners, and he says, run like these men uh, and women who win a prize. And now we see, he goes, I don't beat the body, I'll beat the air. I beat my body. I strike a blow to it. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to whose body? My neighbor's body? Whose body? My body. So when that man was running, did he strike a blow to the guy who knocked him down and go, you take that? And now I'll win the race. Did he turn it into, uh, uh, you know, like a WWF wrestling match? And, uh, you know, the power drive. No. And do you know right now, you can look it up online, some of the dudes who like IFC and, uh, is that it, IFC? UFC, thank you. Do you know now they have group fights, UFC, where it's like 10 of them versus 10 of them. Has anybody seen that yet? Yeah, you can Google it and find it. They get into a ring and they jump each other, beat each other. It's like full-on Spartan action in 21st century. It's a bloody mess. But listen to me. This is not about beating your neighbor's body. The runner did not beat the body of the person next to him. He beat his own body. So what do we see here? That our own worst enemy is our body. The devil cannot send you to hell. The devil can't do that. And God cannot, by his own desire, cannot make you go to heaven. There's a doctrine 
of demons called Calvinism, okay? And I'm half kidding there. But this doctrine teaches that God chooses before all eternity who goes to heaven and who goes to hell. And they use the Bibli- they hijack the biblical terms of uh, predestination and election and God's sovereignty. And it sounds so spiritual. God chose me. But all you have to do is ask him, why didn't he choose your neighbor? And it's because God loves some and hates others. God will save some and damn others even before they are born. This doctrine of demons... This doctrines of demons teaches that people are doomed from the mother's womb. That no matter what they do in life, they are already doomed. By whose decision? God's decision. That is a lie. And sadly, some Christians believe that lie with the idea of being noble to Scripture, but they're actually twisting the Scripture. The Scripture does not teach that. Paul says here, I strike a blow to my body and make it a slave so that after I preach to others, I myself may not be disqualified for the prize. He understood that the choice wasn't God's to save him. God already made the choice by coming, by sending Jesus to die on the cross for some of the world. For just the elect and those that God chose? No, God so loved the world, everybody, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And so we see that Paul is saying, I myself make the decision to run with a, with a purpose. I myself can also make the decision to disqualify myself. You can't say the devil made me do it, and you can't say, Jesus, you make me do it. Jesus gave us a free will, the gift of human autonomy. When he made us in his image, God had himself an autonomous will. That means he had contra-causal choice. Jesus could choose between two legitimate choices, create or not create. He is a free being to create or not to create. He chose to create. Then we were made in his image, and we were given the same contra-causal choice. That meaning that no cause would force us to make the choice, but within the decider themselves is the deciding factor. Self-determination. The decider makes the determination. God made us autonomous. Are you with me, guys, some of those theological terms? Then we had a choice, good or evil. Hello? God had a choice, create or not create, and then we had a choice, good or evil. And you see that working out to this day. Even uh, since I'm on that train right now, might as well ride it a little bit longer. Choo-choo. Right after... Right after Adam and Eve fall, we see that the choice between good and evil has not been taken to them. Some teach the bondage to the will, that once man became a sinner, now he has no choice. But that is not true. When Cain and Abel were giving their offerings and God rejected Cain's but accepted Abel's, Cain got mad and wanted to kill his brother. But God came and spoke to him and listened to what he said to him. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is what? Right. Will you not be accepted? Do you see? He put the determination of his eternal soul back on Cain. He said, Cain, just because I accepted Abel's and not yours doesn't mean I'm playing favorites. What Abel did was, brought, was bring me an acceptable sacrifice. You did not. 
And the, the story behind the story is the reason why Abel's was accepted and Cain's wasn't is Cain brought his leftover fruits and vegetables, those things that he just didn't really want, the ones that were probably bruised and used and just half eaten by some animals. And he just gave it to God and said, well, God's a spirit anyway. He don't need it. But Abel brought the best of his field, the best of his flocks, went and said, I want to give this one to God, this one to God. Okay, we'll, we'll eat this one, but we're going to sacrifice the best to God. And so God says to him, Cain, if you do what's right, will you not be accepted? Here's the rest. But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must what? Rule over it. Everybody say rule over it. Doesn't that sound like make your body your slave? You must rule over the desire to sin. Where was Cain's desire to sin? Where was it? In his body, in his flesh, in his fallen flesh. Are you guys listening? We needed a devil when there was no fallen flesh. Adam and Eve had no temptation in their own right mind to dis disregard God's commands. God allowed a tempter to be there. How Satan fell is a different conversation. But how Adam and Eve fell and were introduced to the temptation was by a tempter. After we have fallen and have been born into sin, we now tempt ourselves. We are led away by our own temptation. Can I get an amen on that? Can I preach it to you a little bit? Amen. Let me just show you right here. Go with me to the book of James, chapter 2, so you can see where sin comes from. I love this introduction and how it takes me in so many different paths. Like you never know where this introduction is going. Look at this right here. Go to James, chapter 1, I guess. Is it James, chapter 1? Yes, James chapter 1, instead of verse 2, verse 13, when you're there, please say I'm there. When tempted, no one should say God is tempting me. Does everybody see that? Can God tempt us? No, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their what? Their own evil desires. That's when they're dragged away. Listen to that passage again in Genesis chapter 4, I believe, around verse 5. Listen to that passage again. It says, and the Lord said to him, if thou, do, this is going to be in the King James right here. He says, if thou doest well, shall thou be accepted. And if thou dost not do well, sin lieth at thy door. Sin lieth at thy door. And unto thee shall, what in the world? Let's go to a different translation. How many want more today, English? Let's go to Genesis 4, verse 7 here. Let's look. It desires, look at it. If you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at the door. It desires to dominate you, but you must what? Subdue it. Now look at James here. It says that when you are tempted, it is not God. You are tempted by your own evil desires and enticed. So what are you supposed to do with those evil desires and enticements? You are to subdue them. You are to not let them dominate you. You are to uh, rule over it, as the NEV says, and as the other version says, you must subdue it. Everybody say subdue it. Going back to our passage here today, look at it. No, I strike a blow to my body. I, I strike a blow to that which makes me want to sin, and I make it my slave so that after I preach to others, I myself am not disqualified for the prize. How many want to finish this race? 
then you better tell your body what to do. Jesus said the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So you need to get that flesh in check. Look at yourself and say, I'm going to check you. (laughs) Check your flesh. Check your flesh. Check it before you wreck it. Now let me tell you a story about checking your flesh. So yesterday, I was hanging out with Tony and the Vivids. They were over. And I said, Tony, you want to go for a 30-mile bike ride? It's what I've been on lately. The other day, I rode 30 miles, uh, six days a week for, for a total of 180 miles. Not bragging, just saying. Okay, half brag, I guess. And so Tony was over there, and I'm like, Tony, let's go riding bikes. And, and uh, he brought his bike, because we had talked about it. But when he brought his bike there, I could just tell, there's no way my brother from another mother is going to make it 30 miles on the bike that he brought. And he agreed. So I have this other mountain bike. I have a mountain bike and I have a new road bike that I, I bought. The road bike has a thin tire, just like with Lance Armstrong and them right on. And then the mountain bike's like a normal mountain bike. But I said, dude, I think you're going to be better on this mountain bike. And he was ready to go. So he said, let's go. And, I, you know, I gave him an option. I said, well, maybe we'll only go 20 miles. But in the back of my mind, I'm really wanting to go 30 miles. I'm saying, give us enough time, enough space out that I could talk him into it. So anyways, I'm on the road bike. I'm pedaling, and he's on the mountain bike. And I usually go about 18 miles an hour. And I'm thinking maybe for, you know, Tony, I'll slow it down to 15 miles an hour. I'll be okay at 15. But as we were riding together just for the first few miles, I could see him falling back behind me. And I would have to go, Tony, come back up, come back up. And then he and he would come up next to me and the sweat's dripping down his face. And I'm just like cruising just like this. And I'm like, what's wrong, Tony? And I know it's going to make me look bad. It's going to make him look good. But let me just tell the story as it is, okay? So I'm like, what's wrong, bro? Okay, well, let's go down a little bit. And then so for the next couple miles, we go from 15 to 14.5 to 14 miles an hour. Because I had an app that tells me how fast we're going. And um, we get down to like 13. And it gets down to 12. And I'm like, this is not going to work. This is not going to work. And I said, Tony, let's switch bikes. Let me get on the, uh, the mountain bike. You get on the road bike. Everybody go, aha. Uh-huh. That was a good idea, right? I gave him the better bike then. So I gave him the better bike, and then we were doing good. And we rode about four miles, took a break. Then we rode about another six miles, got to uh, the waterfront area there in Algonquin Dam, took a picture. And then right about there was 10 miles, and, and the agreement was we could either turn back there and call it an even 20, or if he really, really wanted to, we could do another five to make it 30. But he didn't want to. He wanted to He wanted to just go back now and make it a 20-mile bike ride. And I said, come on, man, man it up. You can do five more and then 15 back. Let's do it. And I feel bad, but I did kind of push a little bit. And he was like, okay. Because I, I, we passed the Dairy Queen at one point, and I was like, if you do it, I'll get you a dilly bar, you know. And he was like, okay. So I kind of bribed him with the Dairy Queen. And then we started riding, and I said, but I forgot to tell you, these last five miles are actually the hardest five miles because they're all uphill. And uh, he was doing awesome. He kept falling behind. He's doing good. And then I said, when we get to the 15-mile mark and we turn around, there's going to be a bike shop there. We can get some water. So we drank all of our water at one point, and we'd run like another three or four miles. We get there to the turnaround point. Bike shop is closed. No no time to snack. No, no whatever. So now I say to him, are you ready? <laughs> Are you ready for the 15-mile journey back? Are you ready to do this? And he's like, I'm ready. And so this is where the hero came out in him. This is where the Rocky music starts to play. Because up until this point, like three miles, was on, he was on the wrong bike. And then like five or six miles later, we take a break. A couple miles later, we stopped at the water place. But now it's we're at this place, the turnaround point, and the place that we want to stop and get something to eat is literally 10 miles away. So it's 10 miles nonstop, right? You're listening to me. 
And I could just see Tony just starting to pedal. We were right next to each other. We were talking. And then he just started to fall back a little bit. And I said, come on. Come on, man. You can do this. And then after a little bit, I would slow down. And he would kind of catch up to me. Because, you know, I would slow down. He would keep pedaling. But then after about a mile or two, I would slow down. And he would just slow down. It was like he didn't want to be next to me anymore. You get, you get what I'm saying? Because I would slow down and he would catch up. But then it was like I would slow down, he would slow down. It was like I couldn't get next to him. And then we're about three miles out from our place of stopping. And this is where now I could see on his face. It wasn't cute anymore. It wasn't fun. It wasn't I'm with my pastor, the sun is shining. No, no, no. It was I am on this bike. I don't like biking. I just want to get to the place. And this is where I just got next to him. I go, Tony, do you feel like talking anymore? No, I don't feel like talking. I said, what do you want to do? I just want to concentrate. I just want to get there. I just want to get there. And how many know there's a point in your life where you get like that sometimes, right? Like it's not feeling good anymore. You're wishing your friend wouldn't have drawn you out. You're at like the 20-mile mark. You know you got 10 more miles to go. And, and all of this I could see was on his face, the beads of sweat dripping down. And then you have me, which those of who have been around me, when I'm on something I'm good at, I really kind of rub it in. You know, I'm just like pedaling like this. I'm smiling and talking and stuff. And uh, anyways, so we're just, just, just doing that. And I can just see him falling out of the corner of my eye. I can just see him just, you know, going off into the distance back here. But every now and then I would just get him close enough just to see, like, how he was doing. And I could just hear him, like, <sighs> and then we get to the spot. And he earned himself a Maxwell Polish from Dundee Dogs. We sit down and we eat. And I look at him and I'm like, man, you have, you have done this. Now, this is what you have. You have one of two choices. We go back home and we hit up this hill, which is literally like this steep. We hit this hill or we go two miles around it. But walking up your bike is not an option up this hill. I said it's either two miles around or we go up this hill. And he said, I want to go up the hill. And so we get there. I tell him to put the gears in low, you know, whatever. And we get there. And I just start pedaling. I'm hurting. Now, I'm hurting. It's literally like at the 28th mile that I'm now doing the last hard hill, right? And I just see him falling out of the back of my eye. And I think what had happened was as, as we kept asking. My dad kept asking him, did you get off the bike? But the way he describes it is the bike got off of me, I think. Somehow he says, like, he was trying to go up the hill, and then the motion just stopped, and then he just kind of got it. Because somehow you walked up with the bike, I know. Okay. And then we made it back home, I know. This is torture for him, I know. But watch. We make it back home. It is now 29.09 miles. You know, basically just like a few tenths, whatever, short of, uh, of, a mi of 30 miles. And I say, bro, we did it. You see, that's what it takes. Tony, let me torture him. He didn't give up. How sore were your legs this morning? Not You ready to go again? Oh, come on. Ricky's next. Ricky beat me when we went. Ricky has a little bit of competitive edge on him, you know. But here's the way I look at it. I was a little heavier back then. I don't think you could take me now. I don't think you'd take me. But I got Ricky at the batting cage. I took Ricky at the batting cage. The thing that he loves the most, I took from him. He doesn't care about biking, so it doesn't matter if he beats me at that. But listen, I could tell you a story about Ricky and him going snowboarding with me and him continually tumbling down the hill. 
And I remember one time I said, brother, do you have it good enough now to where we can go down the bigger hill? Not the baby hill anymore, but the bigger hill. And he says, yeah, I'm willing to do it. And somehow I lost sight of him. And then out the corner of my eyes, I'm watching him go. He goes, boop, 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 boop. He goes into the wooded area where the fan is, where they put the snow out. He falls in the wooded area onto the fan area, and he gets stuck in there because, you know, the stuff you can't get out really easy. And I'll just never forget seeing Ricky helpless on the side of a mountain. I'll never forget seeing <laughs> And this is your pastor. This is the lover of your soul right here. No, I'm kidding, half kid. But this is, this is how we do it. Now, I have been tortured too. Now, this is to tell you how other pastors did me. I used to like to ride my mountain bike, and my friend pastor, he had a road bike, and he didn't care. He didn't care. He was going all fast. He'd be like, come on, man, keep up. And I couldn't, and it would hurt me really bad. It hurt. And, and, and then I, I was nice to Tony. Tony, was I not nice to you? I was. I let him keep up. It was just fun at the end when he just basically didn't want to be talked to anymore. And then, and Jerry told me, Jerry told me there's like different kinds of silent. There's like his normal silent, which is like cool, like that's normal Tony. Then there's like silent, I'm not doing good, just kind of give me my space. And, and that was that moment. And then there's like silent, I'm mad at you, you know. But I'm glad we didn't get to like silent, I'm mad at you. In all reality, how many know striking blows to your body is not easy? How many have ever been there? I mean, I know I'm sticking on this a while, but I want us to get this because I think sometimes we, we don't see the correlation that Paul is saying. Saying no to the things our body wants is not going to come easy for anybody. I remember one of those 90-degree days, I was riding my bike, and I was sweating so bad, and just everything inside of me just wanted me to stop. I wanted to lay on the grass, you know. And it's like, you, but you say, no, I'm going to do it. And I love, you know what I like watching with my kids is American Ninja Warrior. Because I feel like, you guys like that? Because I feel like they try it so hard every time. And I feel we need to do that in life. Here's what a spiritual discipline is. It's the commands and practices a disciple show in their life to grow spiritually because they know God. If you believe in these spiritual disciplines, say amen. Bible reading, family order, scripture memorization, soul journaling, praying, worshiping, discipleship in Christ-likeness, Christian service, public evangelism, spiritual meditation, financial stewardship, Christian fellowship, church involvement. Amen. Now, do you think, come on, amen, let's give it up for Jesus. Are all of those going to come easy to you? No. But remember this, you're not saved by them. You're saved by knowing Jesus. Remember this chart? You're saved by knowing Jesus. You're saved because you believe Jesus is God and Savior. And that you now share in that divine nature and that you can do all that God commanded you to do. And so often we think the more we read our Bible, the more saved we'll be. And that's not true. You're not saved by reading your Bible. You're saved by knowing Jesus. You're not saved by how well you keep your family in order. And that's a tough one. Everybody I know can relate to that that has kids. Every one of us. Like for me, doing family devotions, like some of you guys see the videos. You know, sometimes it goes good and sometimes it doesn't. And I want you guys to see that. And I know a lot of times we look at people's highlight reels and not the real uh, uh, price that they're paying. It's one thing when you watch ESPN for 30 seconds and they show you a clip of, of the game. The game was longer than 30 seconds. It was more than the highlights. It was a lot of suffering and pain and, and agony in that game. And sometimes we look at Facebook 
and all we see is the highlight reel. But let me tell you, it's not always easy like that for us. Doing family devotion sometimes comes really hard. My kids will actually be halfway decent the whole entire day, and then when they come to family devotions, they'll act up, and I'll have to discipline them and punish them and take away treats for the next day because of what happened in that one family devotion. And now what happens to me is that a pattern comes, right? So it's a longer day, I'm more tired, and and we're going to start family devotions or, or thinking about it or should we? And what comes to my heart? What's the temptation? Oh, let's not do that. Why? Because, man, what if Zoe acts up and then i got to discipline her? It'll take longer. Let's just pray for him and put him to bed. But it's worth it for them, for me to be disciplined in family devotions. I love them for their sake. Children are not an inconvenience to more important work. As C.S. Lewis says, they are the most important work. And, and same thing with scripture memorization. I'm just like you guys. It's easier to just read the Bible. Like, oh, I'm just going to read the Bible today. As opposed to pulling out a passage from that scripture you've read and now saying, I'm going to memorize this. I'm going to discipline myself to memorize it. All of these things will take effort. But here's the thing. A lot of us forget that the same grace that saves us is the same grace that empowers us to please God. It's not like you get saved by grace and then you say, Jesus, I'll take the wheel from here. I got it pretty good. Lord, I got this thing down. Let me just do it on my own. No, we're saved by grace, can't do anything of ourselves. And when it comes down to these things, we really need the outside power of God. I think those of us who have walked with the Lord for many, many years have noticed the power of God in these things. Let me just give you an example. Like soul journaling comes so difficult for me. I don't know if it's because I'm writing all the time. That's what I do for a living is write, and I'm a pastor. But just like now stopping writing about books and stuff, writing about my feelings, it's not easy. But the Lord, like, shows me through this journaling that he blesses my life. He really shows me. Like, the Lord takes time to teach me that when I write things down, it helps me. It really helps me. And I believe if you'll start to take these things serious, God will bless you. Because all of these things on this side is what we know we need. We know we need all of these things, and we start here with God, but then he tells us to do these things, to participate in this. You know, the Bible says there's more joy in heaven when one sinner repents than anything else in the whole world. So if I want to start getting into the joy of heaven, i got to start taking my attention off myself all the time, don't I? Right? And the Bible says that those who are at peace are those who put their mind at peace. So scripture memorization and Bible reading, all of these things that I really want, God is teaching me that I need to do things actively. Now, sometimes people say things like this. They'll be like, well, if God is God and God's so big and awesome, why does he need us to do these things in the middle to give us all of those things that we want? Well, God is a God of relationship. Everybody say relationship. Thank you. Now, think about you in relationship. Start with husbands and wives. When you are in a relationship with your husband or wife, you get in, uh, you get out of what you put in that relationship. If you're not making deposits, you can't make withdrawals. Now, that's the way God made us. God could have made us like robots where he just programmed us to do a certain thing, and then we would get a result, you know, like these robots that work on assembly lines. They move this thing over here, put that thing over there, then move this thing over here and put that thing over there. God could have said, now you know me, now you love me, raise your hands and worship, I love you, Jesus, now I'm so happy, you know. He could have made us like a robot, right? 
but he made us in relationship. So what he is saying is what you're putting into this is what you're going to get out of this. That's why he said, love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. When you surrender your life to him, you lose your life for him, that's when you find the life that he has for you. Does everybody get that? Okay, how many are ready for the message today? All right, let's talk about spiritual meditation. Go with me to John chapter 15. Some of you will remember this from the Abide Sermon Series. This is very important. Every time you see the word abide, would you read it out with me? And this is going to blow your mind. There's going to be some teaching at the end, but I guarantee you it's going to be more caught than taught today, okay? Spiritual meditation. John chapter 15, verse 1 says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser or gardener. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bear fruits, he, uh, bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. What? Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, unless it abides in me, neither can you, unless you abide in me. Come on, keep going. Verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. Now stop right there. Without me you can do nothing. Does that apply to the atheists as well? That's right. Without God, they can do nothing. That's why, by definition, they're a fool, because they don't understand that. And I always got to tell you guys this because it comes up so often. It's, it's the go-to right now of our generation. It's like the, uh, the Greek mythology of Paul's time was like a defense against the gospel. Like, oh, you believe in Jesus? Well, I believe in Zeus. Take that. Well, what people say about us uh, to, to against uh, Christians and our, our message now is like, I believe in Jesus. And they go, well, I believe in science. Do you see the comparative there? In the Old Testament and in the time of Jesus, everything was like, well, I'm a pagan. We have our gods. We believe this. And now this way of being anti-Jesus is like, well, I believe in science. Well, the thing about that is, is they don't even know where scientists come from. Can you have science without a scientist? Not on this earth, right, unless you believe in alien scientists somewhere. But even then, where do they come from? So the idea is you can't have science without a scientist. Can scientists be a scientist without knowing they're a scientist? No, they have to be known in themselves first. You have to know yourself. You have to have self-knowledge. They couldn't do real science without having a personal application of the very thing they're, they're looking at and studying. So to have science and a scientist, you need to have a self-aware person. And then where does all that come from, right? Let's just take, for example... If you could have a time machine, let's say you could have a time machine, and you had this desire to go back to the earliest point in history, and you set it, you know, because let's say you believe the universe is billions of years old and all of this, and so you set it, uh, you know, trillions of years old as the universe, the earth is billions of years old. So you want to go back to the end of the age of the earth, and so you set the, the age to, you know, whatever, four, uh, four billion, and all of a sudden you end up in a place that looks like a garden. Think about this. And you're there, and you look around, and there's just two people, Adam and Eve. You show up and start talking. Uh, you start talking to them, and they, they notice that you're there. And you start describing who you are. And you say, I took a time machine and, and all of this. And now imagine if you got to talk to Adam and Eve. How many think this would be an interesting conversation? Now imagine in this discussion that you are an atheistic or, or an atheistic scientist has done this. So now they're in front of Adam and Eve. And they say to Adam and Eve, Adam. 
Do you not know all these scientific things? Let me just tell you about this. You see this star? That star is really millions of light years away. Do you see this blade of grass? It has all of these chemical properties to it. And I don't know if anybody saw that video that came out where it goes way off in the outer space. It's a girl laying on grass. It goes way off in the outer space, and it goes way into her eye and shows you all of those molecules and everything. Anybody ever see that? Oh, I got to show you guys this. I got to show you this. How many want to see this? Nobody. I'm going to show it to you anyway. I'm going to show you this because I want you to imagine talking to Adam and Eve and imagine you showing this to Adam and Eve, okay? So you're going to like try to impress Adam and Eve and let's say you had a computer there that you could do all of these things and I'm going to have to sign out and sign back in. So talk to your neighbor about what would you talk to Adam and Eve about and, and just put on a little music in the background. What would you talk to Adam and Eve about if you could see them? What would you talk to them about? I heard tortilla. Would you be like, let me show you how to make a tortilla? Okay, let me try this one more time. Okay. Let me go here. A little late on that, though, but we're okay now. Thank you. A little late. I may need it, but I think I can pull this off a little bit quicker here. Does anybody else save a lot of stuff on Facebook? Dude, that's like that save button has changed my life. This, this one right here has blessed my soul so much. This guy says every feed on Facebook looks like this right here. Y'all girls, oh, <laughs> That one blessed me. That one blessed me. Because that's what my Facebook feed was looking like, and I'm not going to point any fingers in any direction. No, but it's okay, because I know you guys are just having fun. You're just having fun. There it is. You guys ready for this? Okay, now just imagine. Let me summarize my point. Let me summarize my point by saying, imagine if you just showed this to Adam and Eve, right? You just go, Adam, I want you to watch this video. Adam, here, here's the video I could bring back in time. This is how big your universe is, Adam. So, Adam, you're right there in the Garden of Eden. And now, Adam, we're going to go and I'm going to show you the universe. I'm going to show you how smart I am, Adam. I know all of this stuff. And you're on a planet called Earth. It's not really the only planet there's a lot of other planets and things in the solar system. And so let me show you some of these planets, Adam. You know, you have the moon going around you, and then you're going to have Mars and all of these other uh, planets. And so, Adam, I want you to see, look, you're not really that significant. There's not a lot that you know, Adam. See, there's Venus, there's Mars, there's all these planets. But I, I want to tell you, Adam, you're also part of a solar system. Adam, you may not know this, but there's a solar system that your planets are a part of. And then that solar system is really a part of other solar systems. So I want to show you what that solar system looks like. Oh, here, here's what it looks like. And remember, you're just a little old you there in this big old solar system. And then I'm going to show you a whole bunch of solar systems. Okay, so we're like a 1,000 light years out. And everybody from Star Trek is going, oh, that's cool. They've been there before. They've done that travel before. But let's look here. See, now we're going to show you other things of your galaxy, other things of the uh, the solar system, ours is the Milky Way galaxy, 
And now look, wow, look at this. And now we're going to show you that there's even more galaxies and solar systems, right? Like there's different galaxies and solar systems. But now, look, I'm going to blow your mind, Adam, because Adam, where do you think all that stuff came from? You know, he's going to say God. But, you know, Adam, God wouldn't have done it all like that. But now look at this. Where do you think you came from, Adam? And Adam's going to say, well, I came from God. And then he's going to say, well, you don't know what you're made of, Adam. See, Adam, you're actually made of atoms. You're, you're made of these subatomic particles, and these particles are held together in a certain way. So, Adam, let me now show you what you're made of and blow your mind. And so now we're going to go into the human eye, and we're going to see what the human eye turns into as how it sees and then how it actually operates with the retina. Look at this, Adam. Adam, did you know there was a retina? Did you know you have blood cells on the inside of you? How many know this is all good science, though? There's nothing that the scientists would say that's not true, right? But what is the scientists doing? They're going, well, let's look at DNA now. Let's look at what makes you who you are. This is inside of all of us right now. Doesn't this kind of blow your mind? This is what's inside of you, and what is, an, what is a DNA molecule, uh, those things made out of? Oh, it's made out of all of these things. And Wow, it all comes down to this. It comes down to atomic nucleus. That's what you're made out of, Adam. Adam, you're made out of neutrons and protons. You're made out of quarks. Here they are. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you think that would change the fact that God created everything? Just the fact that we took a journey from the greatest solar system with a telescope to the greatest intricacies of the human body with a microscope, has that changed one thing that God said? Has that changed one thing that God said? Now, what do you think Adam would say after Adam saw this video? What do you think he would say? He's like, that's what God made. God made all of that. God made all of this. What would the scientists have to say? Nothing made all of this. Do you see how the folly of it? Do you see the folly now? So what is the spiritual meditation that we're going to learn? What we're going to learn, the most important thing that we need to learn is about abiding in Jesus. We need to learn, we need to, learn to abide in who he is and what he made us to do. Go back to that passage in John chapter 15. Guys, put it up there for me, please. I lost it on my journey to outer space. Go back to that passage in John chapter 15. I'm going to start reading it out the Bible so we don't have to take a lot of time. John 15 says, without me, you can do nothing. How many believe that today? Can those stars do what they do without God? Can the DNA do what it does without God? No, it cannot. It cannot do anything without God. And so keep going. Look at what it says here now in, um, what verse was I on? There we go. Verse 5 was nothing. Now look at verse 6. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such are thrown into the fire and burned. How many say, can say this with me? Hell is hot. Heaven is not. Okay, so which one do you want to go to? You want to go to heaven, okay? If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you may bear how much fruit? Much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. Gentlemen, are you able to get it back, or do we need to have another conversation about deep things? You got me back? Okay, let me get here, gentlemen. Thank you so much for helping me. Let's give it up for our guys in the back. Por favor. I feel so bad for them. 
because they've got to help me, and I know I confuse everything here. What do I got to do with this? Get out a full screen? Is that what I did? Go back. Oh, there it is. Why do I keep losing that naughty thing? Okay, let me just get there this way, gentlemen. I'm sure you fixed it, but I broke it. Let me do this. How many know how to find our sermons online? How many have watched me show you how to do it about 20 times and I lose it? Here we go. You go to the front page and you tap on what's up today. There we go. Okay, so look at this right now as we talk about spiritual meditation. I want you to think about this example of what Jesus is talking about here. I want you to think about this. When God described through Jesus what it was like to abide in him, he used an image that everybody would know. This great vine image. The vine is that dark brown thing, and the branches are those green things and the fruit coming forth. I want this to blow your mind just for a little bit because it so blows my mind. This is God's indication or example, rather, of what it looks like to be in him. Some of you may not grasp this, but I want to help you because I actually didn't grasp it. It was funny how this happened, okay? I was really meditating on what it's like to be in Christ, in the divine nature, to be intermingled with my spirit. Because how many know you're more than a body? Don't you know you're more than a body? When you look at the mirror, you see the body, but you don't see you. You don't see you. And I know it's all new agey and weird, but they made a good point. Those little Navajo and Avatar movie, and they would greet each other. And what would they say? They would say, I see you. I see you. Do you remember that? Anybody remember that? I don't have time to play that video. That's okay. But it said it in the movie. I see you. And it's like I see through you because when your grandpa died and you saw the body there, you didn't see your grandpa anymore. You just saw your grandpa's body. Now watch this. Jesus said about ten times in that passage, abide in me, abide in me. So literally I was thinking about this. And I started thinking about the divine nature of God intertwined with the human spirit and how the thoughts of God, the mind of Christ in us, becoming intertwined with our thoughts to where we hear his voice as we hear our own voice. Isn't this beautiful? And that we start to sense his emotions and his peace. And we live and breathe literally in him, as the Bible says. And I, I, I t- I'll tell you the truth. I got so lost in this that I stopped thinking about John 15. And I kept going deep into my mind and what this was like. And then I was sitting down with Jared one day. And I started to draw out something. And I said, this is how I kind of see what God is doing in me and in the body of Christ. I said, I kind of see like God's in the center here. And then from God, emanating from God is his nature. And then I get connected to it. And then God joins to me, my wife, and then she gets connected to it. And then we're one as he and and the church is one. And then I begin to see that in the body of Christ, people are joined together. And we are, he prays that we would become one as he and his father are one. Are you with me? So he's saying, Lord, may they be one as we are one, right? And then I started drawing like these tentacles reaching out from the center and all of these things. And I said, I said, I li- Jared is, is, is my witness. I literally said to Jared, I said, Jared, I don't know how to describe how I'm seeing the interwovenness of my spirit with God's spirit with my wife in the church. And as He looked at the drawing. Do you know what he said? That's the vine and the branches. 
literally God took me a whole entire circle to come right back to this. To understand this. Do you get it? He is saying, I am in you wherever you go. You are never away from him. You are never plucked off of this. When you go to your job, you are not some little grapevine hanging out by yourself. You are going there with the extension, glory to God, and the power and the influence of Jesus. You are in him and his life force is flowing through you and flowing through me. And he wants our thoughts to be shared with his thoughts. And no one can clip you out of here. The Bible says the only way you can get out of this is if you don't want to be there anymore. Those who don't remain are cast into the fire, the passage says. But those who abide, those who abide, those who abide, share in that divine nature. So I want to ask you a question today. Do you want to know about that more? You want to experience the depths of that more. Do you want to abide in the deep places of God, His love and His grace for you? Like, do you want it to go beyond the surface level? And then watch all of those fruits, all of those precious things coming out of your life are now impacted and supported and sustained by the presence of God. And so I began to see each one of those a fruit there as my children and my wife and the dreams that I have in my heart, and that God is sustaining them. I'm not over here by myself trying to force a grape to pop off into my life called a successful church. God is naturally flowing through me the gift of a church. He's naturally doing it. I'm not trying to force my marriage to change. I am simply being disciplined in this one thing. I'm not being disciplined to change myself. I'm being disciplined to remain in the one who has already changed me. I'm being disciplined to stay and to be mindful of that. So what does it look like in your life? What does that, that place look like? Well, here's what we're going to talk about today, spiritual meditation. Here it is. You're going to learn to be mindful of that. What's anxiety? Mindful of fear. What's depression? Mindful of low, uh, 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 you know, sad things, whatever. What, what is OCD? Mindful of germs or possessing thoughts of those things. What is anger? Mindful of things that bother you. Do you get it? We go, what's perversion? Mindful of perverted sex, you know, things that God didn't ordain. What's jealousy? Mindfulness of all of those things that you wish you had. Do you get it? It's all in the mind there. It's all in your heart. It's all in that part of what God says is who you are. Let's look to these scriptures, and I just did it again. Oh, gosh. <laughs> what the problem is, is I keep hitting escape. I keep hitting escape, you naughty, naughty computer. Guys, just X out, X out of the pro presenter. Just X out of it, close it out, shut it off for me, that naughty program. We have been thanked enough for our tithe and offering. Just X it out. I don't want that anywhere. Just do I have to run over there because I want to beat it really bad right now. I want to be the one who X's it out. Thank you. Thank you. I never, ever want to see that thing ever again. I don't ever want to see that. I never want to see that naughty naughty thing again. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that I feel your love again. <laughs> what was I just so talking about? Because now I'm demonstrating it in some way when I listen back to this message. I just demonstrated my mindfulness was not on the peace of God, right? 
But watch this. This is a funny verse because it actually applies to what I was just saying. Spiritual meditation. Look at Psalm 4, verse 4. Be angry and do not sin. I don't think I sinned in my anger, did I? No, but watch. Remember with Cain and Abel what I talked about? What did he say? Cain, don't be angry. Don't be angry. A lot of our sin comes from angry, anger. Not all of it, but a lot of it. Now watch this right here. When I was dealing with the new age and, and I went to the Adidam uh, clinic over here, uh, they have like a sanctuary. It's on Fullerton. He looks about as silly as this guy. Adidam. There's a, there's a campus on Fullerton. This guy believed he was the reincarnated Jesus, this, this fool right here, this, this fool. Anyways, and so here he is meditating in all of his demonic glory, okay? Doesn't this make you just want to pray for people that believe this nonsense, this demonic thing right here? So this guy believed this. This is on Fullerton, like, western area. I didn't make this stuff up, okay? So I go over to these people to preach to them about Jesus. I walk up in the clinic or, or their sanctuary. I keep calling it a clinic, but they need help. But it's not that. I walk into their, their temple because I saw the sandwich board when I was riding my bike. When I used to ride bikes when I lived on Addison, I was riding my bike down Fullerton to the lake. And I was like, what is that? And I looked it up, and I'm like, this guy thinks he's Jesus, whatever. So I show up in there, and there was, like, some guy that literally was, like, taken out of the 60s from, like, some commune. This guy used to run sex communes, by the way, in the 60s. So, but this guy still looked and looked and acted exactly like that. So I walk in there, and then I'm, like, preaching to him, and I'm getting all intense. And he just kind of stretches out his hand, and he puts it on my chest, and he goes, just, just calm down, man. Take a deep breath. I can just feel your aura so red and angry. He, I don't know what he was talking about. He was like so new age, and he was like, your chakra, whatever he was talking about. And he's just like, he's like, bring it down, bring it down, bring it down. And I was like, listen to me. I am full of the fire of the Holy Spirit. My God doesn't try to walk on rice paper. He gets angry, but he doesn't sin. And I just remember that same thing I had with the Harry Krishnas. You know, like, they're, we're, we're happy all the time. Don't get angry. Don't get angry. And I was like, I'm not angry to want to beat you up. I'm just angry at your folly, your silliness. And so a lot of the Buddhist, Eastern, Hindu uh, mentality is that true meditation means you don't get angry. Our Jesus whipped people out of a temple. Our men of the Bible were warriors. Our women were warriors. Amen? And they birthed warriors. They were Spartans and the birther of Spartans, okay? <laughs> you come back home alive or on your shield, Spartan. That's what our women say to us like in the 300. But here's the thing. I love this way of talking because I get it. Because to do spiritual meditation, I don't have to give up eating meat. Amen? Come on. How many are happy you don't have to be a vegan? If you want to be a vegan, that's okay. Just more steaks and not a cheddar for us. We love it when you come to the barbecue, except when you annoy us to cook something for you on the side. Oh, I brought my vegetarian patty. Can you please cook this on the side? Put it in the microwave. That doesn't even deserve a grill. That doesn't deserve the grill. Put that there. Put that there in the microwave. Just more out of cheddar for us. No problem. And so, you know, we, we understand that we don't have to give up meat eating and we don't have to wear yoga pants to med meditate. How many are happy about that? 
Now, there may be some in our church that really want to wear, and there may be some guys that I think were in the first service. I don't know so much here. But there may be some guys here that really want to put on tight pants, little elf-toed shoes, and wear some little shirt with a beanie on top and go down with a latte to the, to the lakefront and cross their legs and try to meditate. But I'm thankful I don't have to put on skinny jeans and take a latte with me to go meditate. How many are happy about that? You don't have to do any of that. You can be a Christian and even be angry. You can be a fiery Italian or a Puerto Rican or whatever. You can have some passion in your body. But here's the thing. Don't sin. Don't sin in your anger, Cain. But now watch this. But meditate within your heart on your bed and be still. Selah. Take a breath. And end your day with the meditation of your heart set on God and the stillness of your heart so you can hear his heart. We can't hear God's heart if we're talking all the time. Prayer is a two-way place. But meditation and prayer, they intertwine where we're hanging out with God. But where it's different than prayer is we're not coming to ask anything anymore. Not for spiritual warfare, not for blessing. What we're coming to do is hear the thoughts of God. And yes, that is a part of prayer is hearing, but it's meditation when it's no longer us trying to insert things into the conversation that are not needed. It's simply hearing the best of what God says and meditating upon that. And I'm reminded of that verse in that hymn, uh, you know, Be Thou My Vision. I'll just sing the first part, you know. Be Thou My Vision, O Lord of my heart. Not be all else to me, save that thou art. This one right here. Thou my best thought by day or by night. Waking or sleeping, thy presence my light. Thou my best thought. Think on that for a minute. God is our best thought. God is the best. So you start meditating when you start thinking on God, and then from there he'll take over. He'll start blessing you. On my way here today, I was meditating. Let me show you what meditating looks like when you're driving your car. It is not closing your eyes and doing, mm, that's not what meditating looks like. What meditating looks like is I was driving here, and I just started thinking, as I always do, about how the service would be, right? And, and I'm believing people are going to come and put in work on Labor Day for Jesus, and you all showed up. Amen? You're not taking a day off from Jesus' work, right? Okay. And, and I just started thinking to myself, what would it look like today if God showed up in a powerful way? And I'm telling you, I think God touched my imagination and took me on a journey that was so glorious. It was so beautiful. And I'll just share a little part of it because God speaks through my imagination. And I just started thinking about what if while I was preaching that people's hearts began to open up and they were blessed and being spoken to. Maybe tears started coming down their eyes. And then that we could see that it was the angels of God bringing them these precious treasures of heaven. And God was using these angels. And so we know now that there are angels all around us. We are standing on holy ground. And I know that there are angels all around. 
And so imagine if I could see God touching your heart and touching your heart through these angels. And then there would be maybe somebody else that would just be laughing. Ha, ha, ha. They would be laughing. Ha, ha, ha. And then I could see the Lord beginning to pour on them the oil of gladness. And I don't know what that would look like, but in my imagination, it would be like the Lord pouring that. It looked like they're doing like this big, big beer bong chug thing, but it's not beer. It's glory and just slopping all over them. But I don't see the glory in the when you're looking at them. Oh, you guys think I'm so weird. Now, this is second service on Labor Day, and I haven't drinking anything today. Just follow with me, okay? And I just see like Brian, he's just like, ha, ha, ha. And then, and I just see the Lord like pouring over him this glory. And then imagine, come on, imagine if someone else is just, uh, uh, they're just shaking. And we're just looking at this. This is what I was thinking on my way to church. I promise you. And they're, like, uh, they're shaking and we think they're so weird. Like, what is wrong with you? What is wrong with you? But then we just see an angel holding them by the hand, and the angel is just brighter than any electrical capacitor could ever be. But the angel just has them. They're like, ah. Oh, I'm telling you, man, I just started thinking about this. And then I was thinking about, you know, what a devil, a demon would be like in that place, you know, where the glory of God is there. And it's just like this little mousy, ugly, just demonic rat-looking thing, but it talks and it's on the person. And, ah, you don't need that. And I could just and I could just hear like that person getting convicted and being like, no, I want Jesus. I want Jesus. And then like an angel comes and just kills that rat and the glory of God shines over the person. I was thinking that on the way here. Now, if you think I was just thinking that, like that was some far-out thought, like you were thinking what it would be like to be on Mars or something. Listen, no, it was a God thing because literally tears started coming down my eyes. I was really in my heart being touched, and God was just saying to me, all things are possible. There are things going on, Joe, you don't see. And I just feel like a lot of times we don't understand what God is doing. And so what meditation does is brings us to where God is. So what's the definition it's the act of focusing our thoughts, to ponder, to think on, to muse. To medita meditation consists of reflective thinking, contemplation, usually on a specific subject to discern its meaning or significance or a plan of action. Doesn't that definition take away all the fun? That definition doesn't even sound fun. You guys want to see some examples before we go? Look at Genesis. Look at Genesis chapter 24, verse 63. Look at this. Genesis chapter 24, verse 63. Just so you could see it. Look at this. He went out to the field, talking about Isaac, one evening to what? To meditate. And as he looked up, he saw camels approaching. This is so deep here. God promised Abraham that he would have a, a, a more children that number the number of the stars in the sky. Abraham is about ready to die. Isaac doesn't have a wife. Abraham sent off servants to go get Isaac, a wife. Isaac is waiting for his wife to come. I'm sure he's feeling the temptation to be anxious, to worry, to doubt. What is she going to look like? What's going on? But he's going out to meditate. What do you think he's doing? He's probably counting the stars because God said it's going to be more than the stars. Where do you go to meditate? Sometimes people do it in nature, right? He goes out to the field. He leaves the place of his pressure. He leaves the place of where all the pain is coming from or all the, all the hurt, whatever, you know. And he goes into the open air. And he starts to meditate. What is this like for me? I leave my house. I walk around the neighborhood. Now he sees the camels approaching. The camels had his wife on there. That's Sarah. They get married. They get it on. They have lots of children, right? The, the father of the prodigal son saw his son 
a long way off before he came, right, and ran out to him. What do you think this father was probably doing that day? Probably went out to pray and meditate and said, one day I'd like to see my son come down this way. Lord, I believe he can come down this way. God, I'm coming out here today because I'm believing my son can come down this road. And one day he did come down this road. You see Isaac is out there counting the stars going, God, I believe one day, I believe one day you can do this. And then God starts to tell him, I will. Isaac, I'm going to do it. And he's just like, Lord, I believe you. I believe. And he's out there. He does it probably for day after day. But then this day is when the camels come. And then you see Joshua chapter 1 verse 8 because you know what? We don't always get to go outdoors in the nice field and see the stars, do we? We don't always get to do that. But this is what uh, Joshua uh, teaches us. Joshua teaches us here in chapter 1, verse 8, that we are to do it at all times. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it when? Day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be what? Prosperous and what? Successful. How do you meditate on your job? You think the thoughts of God. So imagine you go to work Tuesday. They bring you in. They go, man, we're running low. Uh, our productivity or our productivity is low. We're down this quarter. Maybe you go to school. Something's going bad. What do you start to do? Meditate right there and then. Think to yourself the thoughts of God. Train yourself to hear what God is saying. And then go, guys, I got an idea. You know, let's say you go to the T-Mobile meeting. Let's say you work for T-Mobile. And they go, AT&T is kicking our butts. We got to do something. We got to do something. And then let's say you go, well, let's give away two cell phones to every family that signs up with us, right? You're going to not just think for yourself. You're going to think for companies. You're going to think for your family. That's why it says prosperous. That's why it says successful. Now, you may say, Pastor, I get good ideas without meditating. But these are the things that will come without stress. God delivers us from stress and gives us success. Does anybody believe that? I believe God's ways are better than ours. And then look at this quickly, Psalms 48, 9. I know I told a lot of stories today. Look at Psalms 48, 9. Within your temple, O God, we meditate on your what? Unfailing love. Where is the temple of God today? Point to it. Right here. He said you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, so you can meditate wherever you go. So put it together real quick. Isaac went out and meditated. Joshua told us to do it all the time, but internally on the law of the Lord. And then now here David says, do it in his temple, but do it on his love. What do we see the common denominators here is that we can do it anywhere, anytime when God is with us. And so how should we do it? Well, the first thing we need to do is learn how to do it privately so we can then do it publicly. Jesus knew how to do it privately by getting up early and staying, out late, uh, staying up late to be by himself. And so if I make the habit, the discipline of meditating by myself, I'll learn to meditate when I'm with you and I find myself needing to tap back in. I should always be into the thoughts, uh, tapped into God's power. But if I need to tap into those thoughts and become mindful of them, because my thoughts are not always his thoughts, right? Are your thoughts always God's thoughts? And sometimes you find yourself wandering from God's thoughts. And then what do you do? You've got to center yourself. You can do that on your job. So watch this. This is how we practice. We find a quiet place or a place that's conducive. See, here you can meditate on God. We wrote a song at the end of first service to help you meditate. Are you ready for this? It's going to be so exciting. Somebody get Stephanie for me, please. Number two, stand or sit comfortably. We've learned that though we don't have to do yoga uh, stretches and all that, the downward dog is not going to send you to hell. People ask me, what about yoga? Yoga is not sin unless you do it for your religion. So the person leading you in yoga, if they're not your guru, you're fine. If that is a guru, you're now practicing another religion. Don't practice another religion. You don't need that. Find somebody to teach you how to stretch and breathe right. It's helpful. All truth comes from God. Amen. I don't really like doing that, but I know some people do. I tried the downward dog, and I'm like, I can't even touch my toes. Going down like that and then stretching out and then sticking your head out and then doing this. Some people just love it. 
just do all these positions and all these things and all that. I am so, did you guys ever see the one with the green monster that's in the, in the yoga thing? Has everybody seen that? That is so me. Dude, even just like when I get stretched, you know, just like, ah, ah, you know, hurts. Okay. You can do that. Controlled breathing is helpful. Controlled breathing affects your body. You'll calm yourself down that way. It's very helpful. Be thankful. Start to worship God. Fix your thoughts on a verse or a concept. What if you just thought about abiding? Let's just all close our eyes right now. Think about abiding. Think about this verse as I read it to you. Think about the concept, please. Put your heart on this. Jesus said, I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. Think about that. Just before you start to hear from God, because I'm going to stop talking here in a minute, what comes to your mind first to open up the door of the expression of God? Vine, branches, fruit. Let's take a few moments. together here. Imagine you sitting and doing that every day for this next week. Every day you think about you abiding. What's going to happen is you're going to start to learn to release your doubts and your fears and trust God. You're going to start to believe God is with me. Look at this passage as we're closing out here. I'm waiting for uh, Stephanie to come. Look at this passage in Philippians chapter 4. Many of us know it, but haven't seen it this way. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. So you come into God's presence rejoicing, right? Let your gentleness be evident to all. Remember, you're not going to let anger cause you to sin. You're not going to let that happen. If you did, you're going to repent. And now watch this here. Don't be anxious about anything. But with prayer and position, with thanksgiving, make your request to God. And then what is the result of this? The peace of God starts to transcend your understanding. Now what happens next? Now you can think on whatever is true and pure. You guys get that? Okay, so watch how this starts. We come in rejoicing. God, thank you for this great day. I want to spend time with you. Lord, forgive me of the times I've acted as I shouldn't. Lord, here's all my prayer requests. I refuse to let those become my anxious thoughts. I'm going to wait on you and let your peace come. As the peace comes, what is it going to come as? Noble thoughts, right thoughts, pure thoughts, lovely thoughts. Do you see that? Do you see how that works? The anxious mind keeps us from the peace of God. But how do we rid ourselves of the anxious mind? Just telling us to stop, be, tell ourselves stop being anxious? No, we start taking the anxious thoughts and we bring them to God in prayer. Does everybody see that? Anxious thoughts become our prayers until we release them and then we focus it on the peace of God. Just turn her down just a little bit, please. We wrote a song in the first service. You guys are going to love it. Now you relax and you let the rest and the presence of God come to you and you can visualize those things that you're thinking about. You can, what does a noble thing look like as a father? It's going to be you going to work, doing a great job, loving your wife, being there for your kids. How many of us as parents think about our children's future? Like they, you just look at your children, you think at their future, you know, about their future. This, this picture right here is a part of my meditation. I'm not making my child an idol. But when I close my eyes and I start to pray for joy, 
And of course, she's just our bundle of joy. After I've seen that beautiful picture, I just think to myself, God, what is she going to be like in your plan, like God? And that brings me peace to think about her life. I don't think about a car accident. I don't think about traumatic things. I, I give those to God in prayer. Because an anxious thought about my daughter right now could be the thought, God, we just had a young uh, girl in our church, a, 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 a woman lost her daughter. She was about six months old. She had a disease. She died. And, Lord, I don't want this to happen to my daughter. And, you know, if I don't give that to my, if I don't give my worries to God as pray, in prayer, what will it become? God, oh, I'm scared. I'm scared. God, what if my daughter dies? What if she gets sick? God, what if she gets the, you know, uh, the infant thing where they just die in the, in the bed, you know, the crib thing, God? What, what happens? You see, what, what that does is that leads me towards anxiety and fear. But if I come to God and I go, God, okay, this is on my mind. I read this on Facebook about a child dying, or I know this family, they lost their child. Lord, I pray that you keep our children safe and the ones that have passed, keep them in your arms. I know they're in heaven. You know, like, do you get the difference between being anxious and praying? Do you guys get the difference? Okay, because that's the only way you can enter into that meditation. You start there in that Philippians passage. You start here going, okay, I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to calm down. That's what gentleness there is to me. And now whatever is anxious to me is going to be a prayer request. And then what? Then the peace of God comes. And now that transcends my understanding, right? That transcends understanding. It's a bigger dream. It's a bigger vision. And it's not even just bigger like I'm a millionaire. I'm a billionaire. No, it's like what does my life look like from your eyes, God? I don't need a million to be happy. I just need the pain to go away, right? So I'm meditating on the peace, not the pain. And then all of these thoughts start to flood our hearts, man. I, I'm telling you, it's more caught than taught. It's more caught than taught, guys. And you got to make the discipline of this. I'm not saying you got to make it happen. I'm saying you got to uh, set the discipline. And then you open your heart to hear from God and you experience His love. Right? So imagine Jesus. He's making these times to spend with the Father. It's partly in prayer, partly in scripture memorization, partly in worship. And then what does He get into? A meditation where his thoughts become the thoughts of God. They become intertwined. The dreams and visions of heaven, uh, that may your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. The thoughts and dreams of heaven start to come to his heart. Right? Are you with me on that? Can I hear an amen? Amen. And then what happens? Physically, you lower your blood pressure, stress, decreased pain, anxiety, depression, all of that stuff starts to lessen. You mentally become stronger. You become a better person. God helps you become a better help to the society, the culture that you're in, because you're not stressed all the time. And then spiritually, what begins to happen? Well, you increase your faith. See, I came to you today with an increase of faith because I had a dream. I had a vision. I had a thought of God. I was meditating on the way here. You live free from sin because you don't think of yourself as a sinner anymore. You think of yourself as a saint, shining bright as the sun, the light of the world, the salt of the earth, right? You see yourself as that. The sound mind begins to come. Many of you have struggled with OCD, depression, all that, and counselors may help you. That's great. But the Christian answer is going to be your ultimate answer. The ultimate answer is going to be the Lord setting you free. And yes, it will take discipline, especially for those of you who have dealt with it for a while. It will take a discipline. Just like for me, losing weight took discipline. I'm spiritual. I pray. That doesn't mean I'm going to lose 60 pounds. 
Changing stinking thinking takes time, but you base it on the word, you'll see a deliverance. You're not an anxious person. You're just fighting anxiety. You're not a depressed person. You're just fighting depression. You are not OCD. You're just fighting over compulsion. Know the difference. One is a thought. One is your identity. You aren't your thoughts. You are the identity of Christ. You are the branch. He is the vine. You speak this over your life. And what? You'll start to see answers to prayer. Why? Because you're praying with God. You're not praying to win the lottery every day. You're just praying what God is saying. God is speaking through you. And those prayers come natural now. You have power to preach. Because the baptism of the Holy Spirit, speaking in other tongues, is a great way to meditate. Run those lips into the spiritual realm. Ba, 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 ba. Give yourself something to do. It will distract your body. I'm telling you. The Bible says your mind will become, your brain and your mind will become unfruitful as your spirit starts to pray. You say, that sounds like we're doing those yoga meditations. Well, that's where they get it from. The mantras, the secret words. We have ours by the baptism of the spirit speaking the heavenly languages. And, it's, and I know I said it in a way where it's almost like, well, you're saying it in a, in a mocking way. But no, it's so true. Sometimes I come into the prayer closet. I don't know what to pray, but I just want to do something. When I start speaking in tongues, I believe it does exactly what the Bible says. It calms my body down and opens up my spirit. And there is power in that. Prosperity. The Lord blesses us. Before we'll ever see this filled every week, we got to see it filled in our hearts and our minds. We have to see the heart of God for this church. Before you'll ever do all that God wants you to do, you got to see it in the stars, in the grains of sand. You've got to see it in the imagery of the Bible, the prodigal son and the child. Doesn't that image just touch your heart when you think about coming back to God if you've ever been out there as a sinner? Oh, the father welcomed me. He ran home and he grabbed me. You know, He had a party for me. He put a ring of, uh, of authority on me and blessing. You see God through what you're going through. You see God in what you're going through. And leadership, it, it, it enables you to do all that God called you to do. So we came to this part. Now watch this. This is beautiful. Gentlemen, would you move this for me, please? We came to this part at the end of the first service, and I wrote an entire song by God's grace. You want to know why? Because I want to help us meditate. So before we take off and enjoy Labor Day weekend, let's take some time to meditate. But before we do, I want to set the mood of meditation by praising God and quoting the scripture. Are you ready? Okay, so Stephanie just learned it, and she's going to sing it, and I'm going to help her, okay? You ready, Stephanie? Can I get an amen? All right, come on, sing it, Stephanie. I got you right here. There you go. Come on, try it again. If you abide in me. We need her mic on. I don't want to miss this. There we go. Desire and it shall be done for you. Now stop right there. We're going to slow it down. Do it. I'm going to help you get it. She hasn't just learned how. There you go. I'm going to teach you. Just play the chords. Just play them for, for Pastor. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire shall be done for you if you abide in me sing it out come on as you get my words abide in you 
sing it a few times. That's okay. Put her a little bit louder. Is this even coming through the sound system, guys? Can you hear the guitar? I can barely hear it. Listen to me sing it as we get ready to go, because it's very important. this first part. This first part we need to get. Just sing this first part. Play that loud. Disappointment, girl. I started this party off singing today, and I'm going to do it again. What other chords? Just <laughs> and we're all going to meditate. <laughs> we really want to meditate after this awkward, embarrassing moment. But you know what I love about our church, guys? Is we don't care. Come on. I love Stephanie so much, but I don't care. It's not about Stephanie. It's not about me this powerful song that we got. We don't care if they have to do it like this. Do we? Stephanie, tell me you love me. <laughs> don't even worry about it. Just tell me the name. Yeah. you desire 
effects on our vocals. We need it. Come on. to the intro. Now let's sing the song and worship. Would you stand with me please? As you know that song, we're going to worship today. And I want you to just take a few moments just to meditate as we begin to start off with the song. And then we're going to come into a time of meditation and dismiss today, okay? So just right now, let's open up our hearts and tell the Lord thank you. We love you, Lord. You're awesome. You're glorious. We welcome you into this place. service. Take over our thoughts. Begin to influence, influence us, God, with your thoughts for our job, for our family. May the grapes of our uh, branch, Lord, begin to bud forth and bear much fruit because, Lord, we're going to abide in you today and glorify you today. All right, so everybody just raise up your hands and say, Jesus, I'm here. Come on, somebody say, Jesus, I'm here to abide in you to meditate on you, to bear much fruit for you. Amen. You ready? Let's just sing out these words, and then we'll go from there. Come on. If you abide in me, my words abide in you. You ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. If you abide in me, my words abide.
song it's going to bless you today hang on come on hang on and do the work of the lord oh discipline your thoughts discipline your mind set your heart on jesus set your mind on the heavenly things above where christ is seated where christ is seated
church so they can see it. Come on, fill me up. Fill me up. Yes, Lord. See, we're going to do this for a purpose. We're going to run over. Come on, everybody look up at me as they get these words up. You see, the, the, the world used to tell you, don't you be so heavenly minded because otherwise you'll be no earthly good. But that is a devil's lie. The only ones that are earthly good are those who are so heavenly minded. Because I can see heaven. Woo! I can see heaven coming on this earth and changing things. Amen? So when we're praying, Lord, fill me up so I overflow, it's so that the Lord can use our meditation in all these times of encountering his presence that we can change the world around us. Amen? Because the world around us can change. It's not the way it's supposed to be, friends. And it doesn't have to stay that way. We can see this world change and be rearranged, literally turned right side up by the glory of God. Amen. So, brothers, I'm going to give you these words. Type them in if you have to. Fill me up till I overflow. I want to run over. Then the next verse is going to be, set my heart on fire so the world can watch me burn. And then the last part is going to say, I want to burn for you, burn for you. Y'all ready? Fill me up. Come on, sing it out today. Until I overflow. That's the cry of our heart. I want to run over. I want to run today who are hungry for more of the Lord, meet me up here. Please, meet me up here. Gentlemen, dim these lights a little bit, please. Tony and Jerry, go get the anointing oil. I just sense the presence of God in this place with hungry hearts. We'll dismiss in just a moment, my friends, but I sense that there are hungry hearts in this place. That's why I say I don't care about religion. I don't care how awkward it gets. I just want the Holy Spirit to come. And there are some of you, you're so hungry. You're hungry like me. You don't care what it takes today. You just want to experience the fresh oil of God. We're going to sing this again, and our pastors are just going to lay their hands on you. And we're just going to pray for God to fill you up today. I know that there are so many that struggle with mental anguish. So many today that may be fighting through their marriage and getting out of a difficult season. 
Others of you just maybe just battling with something at home or on your job. And I want to promise you today, meditation to me is not just a cliche thing, and it's not powerless, and it's not new agey. It's the way we communicate with God in our heart and soul, friends. And worship can lead us to that place. Worship can take us into the heavenly realm so that we can go beyond what we think, go beyond just our cantaloupe-sized brain, so we can have peace that's beyond our own understanding. Hallelujah. And it will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. You see, my friend, it's about God today in His presence, and it needs to be so real. And I just sense that some of you are just hungry today. And I want you to receive it. We're going to pray for you. And we're going to sing this song together. Amen. Just let them pray for you. Oh, Lord.
as we sing that out, I'm telling you, those verses that God gave us are so powerful. Because as we sing today, as we meditate today, do you know what the Lord says back to us? Do you know what Jesus says to us? He says just what his word says. your people care enough to spend time with you. When your people stop what they're doing and say, I want to do what you're doing, you're glorified. It's you that came after us. It's you that came looking for us. We were lost. We were afraid. But you rescued me. You delivered me, oh God. And today, Lord, I pray that we'll never forget to make time for you. We'll never forget, God, to love you the way you want to be loved. To abide in that love. To put into this relationship our whole heart so we can make a trade with you, God. All of us for all of you. Come on, somebody just place your hand over your heart before we leave today. And just say, all of me, Jesus. For all of you. Some of you are saying, God, you really want it all. You want the pain, God. You want the rejection, God. Nobody wants that, God. Nobody wants me this way, God. Lord, don't you know me, God? I don't even want myself sometimes. And God is saying right back to you. He's saying yes. He's saying yes. He's saying these words, brother. Keep up today. Come on. Please, come on. You don't hide yourself. Thank you. 
Come on, we're going long today because somebody's getting broke through today. Come on, God's breaking through. God's breaking through to you. Come on, I know I'm not alone today. Somebody just wants us just a few more moments, just a few more moments in. Come on, somebody. Come on, let go of it today. Let go of your pain. Let go of your hurt. Press through. Let God meet you where you're at today. right now before we go if there's just a few more of you just either a few more of you or a few more things than some of you I don't know which one it is either you haven't broke through yet or God's not done breaking through yet but I want you to know today that God is so good that God never leaves us God never changes he's not like shifting shadows he's brighter than the noonday sun hallelujah he is our father of lights today and he's telling you I don't give my heart in pieces He's not teasing you. He's wanting you to draw near to him so you can draw near. He's wanting you to come close so you can experience him. He's made himself available. Jesus. Just one more time. We're just going to sing, fill me up. And fill me up. Till I I want. take each other by the hand right now just as a sign of family and commitment. Branches unified on the vine today. Oh, hallelujah. Brothers, I'm going to ask that you would get uh, let the king of my heart ready for uh, the after party and I'm going to come down and pray for anyone else who needs it today. Maybe even our prayer workers need it today. We won't have prayer workers. It's just going to be pastor today. I'll pray for all and any because I just sense God loves us. And he doesn't give his heart in pieces. Oh, I can just I can sing it back and forth, back and forth from one song to the other because it's so powerful today. Oh, my friends, my friends, when I saw my baby girl born, oh, I didn't give my heart to her in pieces. I gave her my whole heart. I gave joy everything. And if she doesn't see me today, it doesn't mean I'm hiding. Oh, it doesn't mean that I'm not there for her. Oh, my friends, God loves us more than I could ever love my daughter today. But he just wants us to know that. He wants us to overflow. He wants us to have so much. He wants us to be the happiest children that this world has ever seen.
He's getting so much glory today. This is okay. Keep singing as long as you want. Come on. Yes, Lord. Take it, children. God says there's as much bread on the table. You can have it today. It's all yours. Woo, Jesus. You can't have us, devil. We belong to our Father. He's a good Father. Ishmael, help me with that. We can do that better. Your kingdom come. Here we go. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Come on, your kingdom. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Can I just hear the fellas sing that? Your
Somebody take a Selah breath on that. Whoa. Whoa, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Jesus. My son or my daughter, I want you to hear me, cause I sing over you like a father sings over his children, hear from me, be satisfied in me, be drawn to me, because I'm drawn to you, I see you and I see you, I see you. I see you and I love you. I see your heart for me. 
Ishmael, will you close us in prayer and then we'll have an after-after party for anyone who needs 
prayer at the end. Thank you, Jesus, for your yes. love. Thank you that you've given us a mind, God, that you've created us mind, body, spirit, Lord God, so that we can meditate on you, God, so we can place it on you, God. I pray that every moment, God, we would pray, just like Peter said, to pray without ceasing, God, that every time we have, Lord, every second we have will be spent with our mind in eternity, our mind in heaven, God. Help us to use these principles we learned today through the preaching of the word, God. Help us to apply it to our everyday life, Jesus. Father God, we, we, we want to be in your mind. We want to know what the mind of Christ is, God, the mind you've given us, the new mind, the new heart that you've given us, God. Help us to live in it every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you guys need prayer, hang out. Otherwise, enjoy the after party. Slap somebody, high five, and say, don't hesitate to meditate. Have a great week if you got to go. Otherwise, I'll pray for each person that needs prayer.
It's not in your nature to fall apart or fail. It's not in your nature to let us down, and you never will. It's not in your nature to fail us or fall apart, end up in pieces. Somebody needs confidence this morning that he'll never let you down. He's been good a long time. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing when you when you can't see it, when you don't believe.
This love lifts me up above the wave. I don't need to be overwhelmed. Oh, it raises me upon the rocks so my feet can finally stand on ground. It's every moment. Everybody that's out there that can hear my voice, if you're here for singles, we're gonna we're gonna start it up right away. Uh, service went a little over in the glory, but I want you guys just come on in. 
Come on in. Call everybody from the back if they're here for singles. We have if you if you don't if you never heard of singles life group, we have a singles life group, 18 to 35. If you are not married, you qualify. If you're, if you're male, if you're female, you qualify for singles life group. 18 to 35 stay. If you fall into those parameters or qualifications, stick around. We want to just share our heart with you today. Share our moments. Take up the first two rows on my right hand side here where Marcella is. 